This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hello, everybody. I'm Scott Pinyard, head coach of This Naked Mind, and I am back with another episode of Coaching Questions. I'm joined again by another fantastic Naked Mind coach. It is Coach Brandy Babb. How are you, Brandy? Hi, Scott. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm, I'm thrilled to be sitting across from you right now. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, so Brandy, you specialize in uh, people who are learning to socialize alcohol-free and living alcohol-free when your professional or home life still includes alcohol. I get so many questions about this um, and kind of how do I navigate that? So tell us a little bit about like, what does your, when people come to you kind of working through that stuff, what are the sort of struggles that they're having and, and how do you work with them? Yeah. Thanks so much, Scott. I know this is such a, this is such a common one. And honestly, it was one that I really battled at the start. I mean, this was something that I really felt like I was going to be up against um, in my professional life, in my home life, um, as well as in just with my social situation too. It felt like I was in a situation personally where for 20 years, me and everyone around me was drinking. And so it's like, and I'm in an environment of that, you know, whether I'm at work, at home, whatever the case might be, and it felt overwhelming. And so I often see a lot of this with clients that are coming that I'm working with, whether in the group scenario or in the one-on-one perspective, where it feels like very oftentimes, like I'm going to be the only one I'm going to be singled out. I'm going to be alone in this. Like this is going to show up as a very lonely way in my life of, you know, going alcohol free. And so that's oftentimes like the, that's oftentimes the way that I see it presented is that this is just scary and I'm scared. I know I want to make this change for myself, but what does it mean for all of the relationships in my life? And so that's usually what clients are oftentimes saying when I'm working with them or seeing them. Absolutely. And just this idea, you know, because something comes up a lot and we actually have a question about this um, and that we're going to go over, but something comes up a lot about like, I don't even know how to be around alcohol. And Mm. I think so many people come to this naked mind and in quitting drinking in general, just kind of carrying these societal ideas that we have of like, oh, we're somehow different. We can never be around alcohol. Um, And so it makes this whole thing feel daunting or actually, you know, frankly, kind of impossible. Like, and what I like about what you're talking about here is very specifically, that ain't going to happen, right? Alcohol is going to be in your life. And so learning how to live with that and work with that um, is part of this process as opposed to removing ourselves. It's about figuring out how how to be around it, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it is, I, I agree with you 100%, Scott, in the sense that it's very much like, how do we infuse ourselves into a life that has messages left and right, that alcohol is what we need, alcohol is important, alcohol is fun, alcohol is critical for a thriving life. And those messages, unfortunately, as much as we're all trying, um, are not necessarily changing anytime soon. But mm -hmm. we have the power and through what, you know, the work that you do at This Naked Mind and now the work that I get to do through the methodology is we really get the opportunity to look at it. And I get to do this with clients is like to change their outlook on it versus really believing that to be true when they show up in these situations and whether that is at home or out on the, you know, seeing a billboard, driving down the street, watching a commercial, whatever the case might be in a work environment. Um, you know, when I, when I speak about a work environment, I actually came from the hospitality industry. And mm, so yeah. talk about really being inundated with messaging. You know, I was living in a world where I'm selling it, I'm training it, I'm tasting it, I'm going on trips you know, sponsored by it. Um, you know, it was really very much like felt like it was a critical part of my life and there wasn't a way going that was going to work to be around without it. Yeah. Um, and so I really did have to figure out like, okay, what do, how do I want to show up in these situations and what is the thought process that I want to bring to the table? And so now it's amazing to just get the opportunity to support other people in, in working through those things as well. And really taking that power back is what it comes down to is like, I don't have to, I don't have right. to show up to these situations in that way. I can show up to them differently. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I love that. All right. Let's dive into some questions. What do you Please. say? Yeah, that sounds great. All right. Question number one, I am in a place where I feel like going alcohol free is not going to work. Both of my parents and my husband drink every night. They don't drink as much as I used to, but it's a lot. How can I deal with this? Mm, this is such a good one. <laughs> um, and I will say this, this was probably for me personally, my biggest fear just in my own personal experience and going through this process. So, um, so the first thing I just want to offer in this is that a, this is your journey. And this is our individual journey. And as much as people are along with us, it is our journey and our path and our decision. And so really showing up in your house of making that conscious decision and standing and saying like, okay, I am, this is a decision I'm making for myself. And mm -hmm. at the same time, like you were just mentioning earlier, Scott, like we are still surrounded by it. Um, how can I consciously make this decision at my home? Now, now, when being surrounded by it at home every night, there are a couple of things like just from a tactical perspective that I would just recommend right out of the gate. Um, and if I was speaking with someone directly about this, like first and foremost, I would ask them, you know, first, as you're early in this process, like how can you separate yourself physically? from the scenario and from the alcohol, if you're not wanting to be around other people drinking, obviously you're in the same household, you're under the same roof, like how can you do yeah. that? And honestly, something that can oftentimes work is just, you know, one is first having the conversation of saying to the people around you, like, what is that conversation you need to have? Is it, I just want to let you know, this is something that I'm doing. And I, it's important to me that I don't, I'm not around alcohol right now. So uh, giving yourself permission 
to remove yourself? Is it going for a walk? Is it spending time in a different room from where the people in your household might be drinking? Um, is it saying like, hey, I need this to be my safe space? And, um, you know, whether that's at the kitchen table or in your bedroom or where it, maybe it's hanging out in the garage, like whatever it might look like for you or the basement, I don't know. Um, but coming up with that safe space and oftentimes like, in, and, and what I hear a little bit in this too, is the, is it's that fear of having the conversation Yes. and sharing with the, with the people around you, like, Hey, this is important to me. And, you know, working through that. And that these are the people, you know, in this situation here, my parents, my husband, these are the people that love you most in the world. And they want to hopefully protect you and love you and do whatever it can to like support you in this situation. So again, I come back to like, what is the hard thing that feels hard that you need to say? And what are the possibilities that are, you know, what's, what are the possibilities on the other side of that conversation? So, um, so those would be like the two things, like just physically finding your space and then also having that communication and that conversation that I would come to the table with for someone with this question. I love that. And, you know, one of the things when I get asked this question that I always recommend people do is spend some time thinking about what you need. Um, you know, how do I want to be supported? What would make my journey easier? And it's funny because I think, you know, in a situation like this, where it feels like this is already set up, we kind of make up our minds going into it. Like this is going to suck, right? This is going <laughs> to be really hard. Um, but we don't do it. We do it almost emotionally. We don't do it from a place of like, all right, this is what I need. So I always like to recommend people like really sit down and, and think through it. Like, do you think there are people who go through this process who maybe not for the first week or so, they, they really don't want to be around alcohol, but then they're okay with it. Is that you? Are you thinking, you know what? I don't want to be around it at all. Like what does previous experience tell you? But spend some time on your own to really get very clear with yourself on this is what I need. And then figure out how to make that happen. And to your other point, communicating it, it's very funny to me how many times I've I've answered this question. And when I bring up the idea of having a conversation with those people, people go, oh, that's a good idea. But it, it, from the outside, it seems very obvious. But on the inside, you know, we're feeling a lot of emotions, you know, and we're going through a lot and we're not always very open to sharing it. But getting clear about what you want, communicating that and um, and then being ready for whatever that answer is. Um, you know, the, the flip side, and I, I agree with you, Brandy, the idea that, you know, your parents and your husband are, are the people who love you most in the world, but if they are struggling with an AUD on their own, mm. even a milder form is what it sounds like from the question, um, there could be some friction, you know, like if you're like, Hey, I don't want you to drink in the house anymore. They might not like that. And mm -hmm. that's okay, that's their prerogative, but you being able to say, this is what I need to get to, to be supported. Um, and maybe it's a couple of nights a week where they don't drink. If they say, you know what, we're not gonna do that, um, then be prepared to make it happen for yourself, right? And this is what's so cool about this process is so much of what happens when we deal with, um, with an AUD is that we lose the ability to meet our own needs. So if you listen to what Brandy and I both just said, it was about like defining what those are and, and meeting them 
on your own. So hopefully uh, the family will accommodate. If not, that's okay. It's not going to stop you. Um, and that makes the process so much better. I um, did you, so Brandy, I'm curious, did you um, change any home routines when you quit drinking? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I actually personally did. So I live in a household where my husband actually still drinks. And so I was, we still had alcohol in the house and, um, and still have alcohol in the house to this day. It's interesting. So I had actually, one of the things I had done, so I was a wine drinker and we had a, you know, wine rack and things like that with bottles and whatnot collected over the years. And one of the things I did is I had bought this tub and I'm like, I'm just going to take all of the wine out of the house and go put it in this tub. And I'm going to put it in the garage. I'm going to hide it away visually. Well, I ended up, I was like, wait, do I want to do that? And I really kind of thought through this whole thought process. And I ended up leaving it there as to see if I could, for me, it was about like, I'd like to actually see if I can take the power back versus feeling like that has power over me because putting it in the garage felt like it was going to have power over me knowing it was there. And so, so what, that was something I actually battled with actually at the start. And I made the decision to sit, to leave it there. It's actually still there to this day in this rack. And, um, don't ask me why I haven't gotten rid of it. I have no idea. (laughs) It just sits there. Um, but the other part of it too has been, um, you know, the other part of it for me was actually, I actually did the physical removal of space, physical change up Mm. of space. So for me, it was a lot of times I was, I would generally, like I would drink out with friends, but then it was coming home and it was drinking on the couch by myself, like after my husband had gone to sleep and like, that was my routine. Mm-hmm. And so what was really important to me was actually moving to a new space. So I actually physically went to my kitchen table. I was doing journaling work there somewhere where I would not hang out normally in the evenings. And, you know, and through the, this naked mind work, there's a lot of discussion around and the methodology around changing these neural pathways that felt like a neural shift for me. I would sat there, I did puzzles, I would journal, I would watch my videos, do, um, uh, drink, sit there and drink hot tea. And it really helped disrupt that pattern for me. So those were some things that I personally did that were really helpful. I love that. And yeah, you make such a good point on disrupting the pattern, just the behavior pattern, right? Yes. Like, yeah. It's funny how, you know, I, I think I've told this story. I'm sure you've helped me tell the story, but I used to, I remember when I, after I graduated college, I moved in with my girlfriend, we were living in New York city mm-hmm. and you know, we'd been together, you know, living together for a couple of months. And one day she just asked me, why do you have a scotch as soon as you come home? Hmm. And I mean, I did the same thing every night. I came in, I took off my shoes, I put down my bag and I poured a drink. But when she asked me this question, I didn't even know how to answer it. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that's what you do, right? Right. That's like, why don't you ask me why I don't walk on the ceiling? Like this doesn't make any sense. Um, and it really, that experience has really stood out in my mind in terms of that power of habit. Um, so fast forward to when I quit drinking, I wasn't able to really change up my space that much, but I changed my routine massively. I mean, down to like driving a different way home from work, um, you know, um, and it really does have an effect. So I love that recommendation, Brandon, because I think it's something that anyone can do, even if there are drinkers in your home, even if you know, even if, and, and if they're continuing to drink, um, taking that power back. And I love that story about your wine bottles in the garage, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. 
<laughs> yeah. And I'll let you know when they're fall finally gone from my house too. <laughs> but it, I, it, it's almost become like this, a bit of this, um, like they have become like books on a shelf where I actually yeah. value books, but they have, um, they have um, really kind of just become like something that's just sits in the corner of the house that I just don't think about or even notice anymore. And it almost is a reminder of that in some capacity, I think, just as we're talking, you know, considering that. So it's interesting. But yeah, I agree with you, Scott, that power of the habit shift is, I mean, it really is. It's so powerful. We just, we just, yeah, it's like pouring the glass of wine when you're cooking dinner. You know, it's like yeah. that first, it, it's like, oh, I, I open the cabinets to start making dinner or open the fridge. That means I also pull a glass out and pour a first glass of wine uh, for sure. I mean, it's just amazing how those habits form. So, yes. Yeah. All right, let's go. I yeah. could talk about that all day. because I know, me too. Way, we'll <laughs> move on to question number two. Um, there are four people at my work who went alcohol-free for 30 days last month, and they all seem to have an easy time. I tried it this month and only made it a few days. I'm concerned about this, particularly because I feel like I've gone back to drinking more than before. What is a good next step for me? Oh, this is a great question. Um, and there's definitely like, this one has a few layers to it for sure. Um, because one, I mean, this kind of come back, comes back somewhat to what we were talking about before in that every journey is its own unique journey, whether right. people are drinking, whether people are not drinking, like this has to be our journey and our own. Now, when it comes to like, what is a good next step for me when I struggle, like struggle to get through these, I mean, this is really an opportunity to sit back and get really, really curious about where the struggles were yes. and like, what was it that was it made it only possible for you for three, for a few days. And at the same time, mm -hmm. Hey, congratulations. If you yes. had been drinking every day and in those 30 days, you actually took a break over the course of, if it was five days, if it was even three days that you took off where normally that would have been, you know, 30 days straight of drinking, like, okay, Hey, there's a win right there. Yes. Now let's look at like, okay, first of all, let's normalize. This is an addictive substance that we are working with here. So an addictive substance is going to show up this way and it is going to be hard. And until we really like, this is where so much of the, this naked mind methodology comes in is where, until we really start digging into learning the science and getting that information into the subconscious and really like just relearning what we know and what we know about alcohol and then secondly, working on those, like just those underlying beliefs and those beliefs are going to come out through looking at that, like, wait, what did bring me back to drinking? I took that time off, like, where were my struggles? And so, um, so like as next steps, the first, the first step would, I would say is one celebrate, celebrate what was done in those 30 days and what you did accomplish. And then the second step I would look at would be get really curious and just really explore what was, what was exposed for you during this time. Like what felt like such a struggle and such a challenge for you. And then just the last thing is a point of recognition, you know, kind of like I said at the start of this is everyone, our own individual journeys, 
it might have looked easy for those people, those four coworkers in their 30 days, but my gosh, we have no idea. They could have been white knuckling it the whole time. And if they like day 31, were like, oh my gosh, let's get to the bar. Let's all go celebrate. Yes. I can almost guarantee they were white knuckling it those full 30 days. If it looked, even if it looked easy. <laughs> so that last point is exactly. So I have this thought regularly <laughs> when these questions are emailed into us, um, I wish the person was on the call because I want to know that too. Like, yes. All right. So they did it last month. How are they doing now? Um, and this comes up so often. And I, you know, one of the things, so, you know, one of our, one of our programs, as you know, you've coached in it, um, that we, um, that we run is called the live alcohol experiment. And the whole idea of it is that we have 30 days where we take time off of alcohol and just see what changes, right? It's a very like low, like no pressure sort of program. Um, and I see it every single time. We just started another one. The comparison happens mm. and people start to say like, oh, well, it was easy for her, but I can't do it. Or man, he seemed to just fly through that month, but I didn't. And the reality of the situation, I mean, truly, truly, the reality of the situation um, is that we have no idea, even somewhere like Facebook, right? We don't know. Now, our program is designed to get people to be questioning that as they go through. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not white knuckling it. And so I say all of that to say that like, I, I have seen hundreds, literally hundreds of thousands of people go through our programs. Not a single two journeys are alike, you know, not, I mean, I honestly, I cannot think of any two people. I'm like, wow, they did kind of the same thing. We might share some touch points in common, but you know, the path is different for everybody. Um, and keeping that in mind, I think is really, really important. And, um, I want to double down on what Brandy said about congratulations on a few days. Um, this is another thing that, you know, over and over, once I had the shift on my perspective on this, now I'm like, how do other people not see this? But I like to ask the question of like, you know, it doesn't say it says just a few days. Yeah. It made it only a few days. Mm -hmm. I would love to find out from the person who asked this question, when was the last time you made it a few days? Yes. Right. Like honestly, um, because we tend to, we tend to define in our heads, this is what success is. And even if we get 99% of the way there and don't make it that last percent, we call the whole thing a failure. And that's crazy to me, not to call this person crazy, but like that to me, it's like, it's really a shame because the reality is something happened over those 30 days. Fine. You did not make it the whole 30 days of alcohol free. I bet if you spent five minutes with a piece of paper and a pencil, I bet you could write a long list of things that you learned or things that you thought or different, you know, information that came to mind for you over that 30 day period, even if you weren't alcohol free. And to me, that's part of the magic of this process is like, hey, we set this goal out there. You know, we make the goal great. If we don't make the goal, we learn so much. Like there's literally no way to do this wrong. You know, you're going to, you're going to find out stuff either way. Um, and yeah, a next step, you know, to, to address that directly. Um, I totally, totally love the idea of going back and see like, what were the triggers, right? What were the things mm -hmm. that threw you off track? Um, Brandy, you know this, we like to call that a data point, right? It's not a relapse, it's yes. not falling off the wagon. It's not messing up. It's a data point. And the reason I call it data is that you can use it for that, right? You'd say, okay, well, I just 
tried this, that didn't quite work. Let me go back and see what I can figure out that the next time around I can do differently. And through doing that, it's not a loss, right? It's actually a lesson. And that might sound a little cheesy, but the reality is that's how this process works, right? And that's how any process works. You go a little bit, you run into a wall, you figure out how to get around that wall and you keep going and then you hit the next wall, right? Like that's, yes. that's life. Um, and so, you know, celebrating that and celebrating those lessons, I think is the next step. Like that is the next thing for you to do. And then dig in with the new knowledge that you have and try again. Exactly. I love that, Scott. So true. And, you know, and when you were talking to about like the, um, the experiences, how literally you've seen hundreds of thousands of people go through this and no two experiences are the same, you know, like that even made me think you, this was, this person did this with four coworkers, like, again, coming back to those conversations, like actually maybe talking to a few of them and see like, what was your experience like? Like, yeah. you know, where, where did you have challenges come up along the way? I'd love to hear it. And, you know, so much of this process, and I think so much too of like what is talked about in the alcohol experiment and the various programs through the naked mind is like talking about the importance of being vulnerable and really like, that's what takes so much of our shame away too. And yes. in this, like what a lonely feeling too, I'm sure of like saying, gosh, these four people succeeded and I feel like a failure. Like all of a sudden now we get stuck in our own little, like, oh, now I'm in this space and versus feeling like you're part of the team. And so like, what's the conversation that could be had there that like to say like, Hey, this was tough for me. Like, how was, how, what was your experience? Like, is there one person maybe in that group that that conversation could be had with? So I love that. I totally love that. And, you know, I can't emphasize enough. I feel like we've talked about this. We talked about this in the last question too, but talking about this yes. in whatever way you can. So yes, the people who went through it, if you're part of one of our Facebook groups or another Facebook group, wherever you get the opportunity to, to really ask about it is it'll start to make you realize, well, two things. One, what I just said, I'm going to contradict myself now, which is like my <laughs> favorite thing to do. Um, no two journeys are alike, uh, but two, you're going to find out that you have so much in common <laughs> in terms of experiences that that we all have along the way. Um, and that is yeah. just so helpful. This, you know, having an AUD is, is it's an isolating thing, mm -hmm. right? I remember there were times when I was going through it where I was thinking, I've, I have it worse than other people, right? And like, I would see someone quit and I'm like, well, good for him. He didn't have it as bad as me. And it was, it yeah. was just, I mean, it, and I was surprised when I found out that other people had those same thoughts, right? And that was so helpful for me because I started to realize, oh, okay. Like there is a thought process going on here. There's an emotional process going on here. And if I can share about it and if I can connect around it, it can make a huge difference. Yes. Yeah, ab absolutely. That connection is just everything through this process. Um, I'll say it was incredible. It was so important to my own um, and, you know, friends that I made. And I, so, so I actually went through the first live alcohol experiment back in January, yes. 2019. And, yes. um, and I have friends that people I connected with in that Facebook group to this day now, you know, two plus years later. And yeah. what a like, what a powerful, and that, and I know that that came through the vulnerability that each person showed up to that group in. So, yes. Awesome. Uh, all right. Let's do one more question. Sure. And then I have your curveball question. <laughs> um, all right. So here's question number three. All of my friends drink, like literally all of them. 
I've been staying away 40, I've been staying away 45 days alcohol free for me today, but I don't want to do this long-term. How can I reconnect with them by still keeping my, I think she meant, but still keep my alcohol free, <laughs> alcohol mm. freak, alcohol free streak going. <laughs> Yes. Oh gosh. This one definitely, this one definitely speaks to me. And uh, so I felt in a personally just felt in a very similar way. Like I, I live in an area where all of the restaurants and bars are walking distance. So it's like, go out, stumble home yeah. <laughs> um, with friends, with neighbors, everybody has front yards versus backyards. So everybody like hangs out in their front yards, having, you know, wine in the evenings, watching the sunset or things like that. Like that is just the area I live in. And, um, so this, it very much felt like all was a huge reality in my life too. And the friends that I spent time with, that was how we spent the bulk of our time. So I just mentioned that first and foremost, because I can really relate to this feeling. And again, this is one of those things that can feel very like fearful, fear filled and anxiety ridden. And like, I am so alone in this situation. Um, and so, so first and foremost, I just want to share something that I actually did that I found really helpful. I had a couple of girlfriends in particular that I was really nervous about kind of sharing this with and saying mm -hmm. like, Hey, I haven't been drinking. First of all, congratulations on 45 days, alcohol free for this person. Um, because that's an amazing accomplishment in itself. And right around that same period for myself, I reached out to a friend and said, Hey, can we get together for dinner? Now this could have been a coffee or a breakfast or lunch or whatever felt more comfortable, but I particularly wanted to do it as a dinner because I wanted to go to dinner. I wanted to not drink with this friend. And I wanted to tell this friend like, Hey, this is a choice that I've made for myself. And I'm scared of how this is going to impact our friendship because this is, we met in a bar. <laughs> yeah. We literally like, this is what we do together. This is what we've done together. And, um, so that was, so I mentioned that because that conversation, I was so nervous to go into it. I was terrified. And reality was that this girlfriend looked at me and she said, I'm so happy for you. That sounds like you've made an incredible decision for yourself. And I'm here to support you in any way that I can. So um, yeah. And I, and I know that that may not necessarily always be the case with friends, but this process also gives you an opportunity to one, find new ways to connect with friends to find ways to connect with friends on deeper levels, because alcohol is actually stripped out of the picture. And three, you also start to actually recognize who your true friends are through this process versus just your drinking buddies. Yes. And that is giving yourself the opportunity to actually like explore that can be a very powerful thing, albeit a little bit scary. And I totally recognize that because it can be a little daunting to think like some of these people might flush oh, yeah. out, yeah. but yeah. You know, you're also going to have these ones that rise to the surface that end up like, I will tell you the friends that are in my life now are, these are the strongest friendships that I have had probably since I was like back in like high school, college, um, just simply because it, they have like, I'm, an, I'm, I show up as a better friend now. And, um, because I'm fully present, I remember all the conversations we have, <laughs> like there's those benefits too. And so, um, so I hope some of just those, you know, some of those like just personal experiences I've had can, can support this a little bit. That's so awesome. Yeah. And I, I remember, um, 
when I quit, I, I had friends. We used to go out to the bars. I live in Portland, Maine, and we have this place called the Old Port, which is essentially just the place that everyone goes to drink. Um, and that's where my friends went. And, you know, even though, you know, we're getting older and have kids and stuff, we still went out on a somewhat regular basis. And I remember, um, you know, I was just a couple of weeks into being alcohol free. And one of them texted me and was like, Hey dude, we're going out. And they knew nothing about this. Um, so I, it was, it was hard. I was like, what, what do I do? And so mm. What I did is I actually told all of them before I went, I just said, you know, Hey guys, I'm going to be not drinking. Um, and, but I'm coming out. And then I made it basically my deal was like, I'm going to try this because the idea of not going out with my friends was just really, I, 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 I'm a social guy. I mm. just, that was not a good idea for me. Um, and so I went out and I tried it and I said at, as soon as I get uncomfortable, if it feels to be too much, I'm going to leave. Um, and I really had no idea what to expect. I tried to really keep an open mind. And you know what? It really wasn't that bad. And, mm. you know, the guys made fun of me a little bit because I quit drinking and I made fun of them because they were still drinking and like, you know, and then that was over. And then we had a normal night. And honestly, the only thing that's really different at this point is I just don't stay out as late. Um, yes. because after a couple of rounds, you know, I'm sitting there with a soda water and I'm like, dude, you already told this story or, you know, like, it's just, it's a different experience. And yeah. what I've found is that through doing that, I've stayed in touch with them and then we've expanded what we do. Right. So like I'll invite them for coffee sometimes, um, or to get together and, you know, like throw a baseball around, whatever it might be. Um, and it's been, exactly. it's been fantastic, but getting past that nervousness part of it of like, how do I do this is, I think it boils down to, this will be the third question in a row. It boils down to communication. <laughs> it does. Um, that's really what it's about. Yeah. And, and if you can do that and you can feel comfortable with it, um, it's amazing what rewards are there. And I will tell you, you know, mm. from, from working with lots of people, we're all afraid that it's going to be so much worse than it will really be. Um, I mean, that's really the bottom line. We have this imagination of like, oh, I'm going to tell this friend and then they're going to not talk to me anymore, stop inviting me places. I really don't hear of that happening often, if at all. You know, what okay. tends to happen is your friends care about you and they want you to do something that, that you feel is the right move. Um, and that's, that's just how it goes. So part of it is, yeah. you know, making up your mind before you go, right? What are your, what are the things you're not going to put up with? What are the things not, maybe not put up with, but like, when are you going to give yourself an off ramp in case things don't feel good? Um, but once you have that, taking that step can absolutely be scary. But if you're around friends that care about you, you're going to be fine. Yeah. So true, Scott. You know, it, it, it actually makes me think of, um, there was about four or five months into my own alcohol-free journey. I went on a girl's weekend and this is a trip we'd done for the last like seven, eight years together. And it was out in the desert, go to the pool, like literally like, I mean, it's just hang out in the pool and drink. And I was so terrified to go and so nervous about what this was going to look like. But what I did in advance was I just, I made a decision. I'm like, I'm going to drive myself separately because that way, if it ends up being too much, I can leave. If I need yeah. to, I decided the nights that I was going to go. Um, and I also had let a handful of the girls know prior to going out there. But then when I got out there, what was so interesting is that I didn't realize that 
some of the women in the group hardly drank the entire trip. And guess what? That had always been the case. I just hadn't noticed it. <laughs> I like, love that. They'd be nursing a couple of drinks over the course of the day where I'd be like, you know, where's another bottle of Prosecco, please? You know, like where, you know, here they were just having, you know, they were, they were showing up in just a different way than my interpretation was too. And so it can be interesting when you go into these situations where you're like, everybody's drinking all the time. It's like, well, actually, if you step into those situations, you might actually be surprised what's truly going on too. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. I love that. Um, all right. Let's do it. Yes. We've gone over, but I love talking. Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, I love it. Um, to those of you expecting a little bit of like a half an hour podcast, we're going to be a Oops. little bit over, but, um, <laughs> but it's all worth it. <laughs> it's so fun to talk to you. Um, all right. Let me do the, the curveball question. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. I'm so nervous about what it's going to be. <laughs> if, if you had to be shipwrecked on a deserted island and all of your human needs like food and water and shelter were met, what two items would you take with you? Two items? Oh my gosh. Okay. It would have to be like a Kindle that was constantly charged. I feel like Ooh, it would be like that, that twilight zone. <laughs> I don't want to do that a twilight bit zone. Like cheating, but I'll let it slide. <laughs> I know. Is it? Yeah. I, I like it has a solar powered Kindle. <laughs> Let's go with that, I guess. Um, I, you know, just, I love reading. Um, and gosh, my second item I'd bring. Oh my gosh. That is really hard, Scott. That is really tough. I'd, Oh my gosh. See, I knew this. This would be the one that would throw me. I knew it. <laughs> Can we just go with that answer and then that I'll works. get back to you? That's totally <laughs> fine. That's totally I know I'm going to come up with like, a, yeah, an amazing, brilliant answer afterwards, but, <laughs> <laughs> but for now that's it. A straw, because I feel awesome. like I'll need a straw for my coconuts that I'm around. There my you go. Island. That is perfect. <laughs> a Kindle and a straw. I think I you will know. accept those answers. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me, Brandy. This was a Likewise, lot of fun. Um, if people want to find out more about you, what is your website? Yeah, my website is littlebigleap.com. So um, little big leap. So my whole, my whole premise is that it takes, we take these little steps and then we turn around and all of a sudden realize we've just taken this huge leap in our lives with each of these little steps that add up to something substantial and huge when we don't even oftentimes realize it with alcohol being a huge leap in itself. So, yes, I love yeah. It. So um, thank you so much, Scott. I really enjoyed this in our conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. And to those of you listening, thank you so much. I will be back next time with another episode of coaching questions until then take care. Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, I guess the end of this podcast to say that if you're totally serious about actually and truly and forevermore transforming a relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rear view mirror for once and forever and changing your psychology about it, we have a program called The Path that I've created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you're still dabbling or trying to figure out where you want to be or maybe even if you still want to moderate. All those things are fine. That's great. But if you're beyond that and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want the answer. I want the easy way out. Then I want you to check out Naked Mind Path 
thecoachpath.com and join us in the path where you receive coach guided and community support so that you can truly make this lasting change that you want in your life. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.